This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 68 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have two wonderful men. Can you believe both men uh, that I was able to catch up with on my trip to Dubai and South Africa? Listen in. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Coach Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, and welcome back, world traveler. Hey, it was. It was, uh, you know, I think we figured out I was 38 hours traveling home. That's a long trip, and and I wasn't paddling, you know. (laughs) I was on an airplane. So how long was this big worldwide sojourn you went on? How long, how many days was it? I wasn't really gone that long. I think it was 10 days or something. That long? 10 days is a long time. Well, yeah, you're right. I'm not complaining, but it was fun. But you know, for as many miles as we went, it was so pretty. And you went for 10 days and what were your, how many different countries did you go to in 10 days? Oh, just, well, does it count if you land in an airport? Sure it does. <laughs> Oh, it does? Okay. <laughs> well, we left from LAX. I'm with my husband, Tom. We left from LAX and we flew straight to Doha, which is Qatar. And, uh, and then we took a hopper to Dubai. And then we stayed there for about 24 hours. Really didn't even sleep. And then took a hopper back to Doha, Qatar, and then flew on to Joburg. And Joe Burger's in. Oh, that was short. That was that was very inside lingo. It was Johannesburg, South Africa. There we go. See, yeah. we. I'm not a world traveler, so you have to dumb it down for me a little bit. <laughs> well, I can't spell Johannesburg, so I started saying Joburg. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're like you're like a local now. Local. Yeah, I was so sort of local. We were in Joburg. So local. Yeah, I was surprised actually that um, we we went. To Johannesburg, just basically for the weekend, we got in on a Friday afternoon and left on Monday morning to go down to Cape Town. And uh, so my experience with Joburg or Johannesburg was just pretty much with our team and, and the tour, um, which we can talk about a little bit. But um, but when we went down to Cape Town, it feels more locally there. You know, it's a beach town. They're on a, the Cape is, you know, the, the tip down there. And um, it, the local feel is that about, Fifty percent of the time, they're speaking Afrikaans, and yeah. So I didn't expect that. I guess it kind of just slips in and out of Afrikaans. And uh, when they speak to each other on the phone and everything, they're they're mostly talking Afrikaans. And we stayed uh, in a in a flat, a condo, right there overlooking what they call Dolphin Bay or Table View. So you get to see Table Mountain out your eleven story window, which oh, that was sounds a- beautiful. Oh, dolphins swimming by. Yeah, they did it on cue. No, it's just like, wow, this is idyllic. And um, so the lady who lent us the flat, she literally just moved out. Um, thank you, Mandy. Was uh, she? She's a businesswoman down there. She uh, does business. Uh, she's an agent for businesses. So she buys and sells businesses for people. And um, very important person. It, but she drove us around. She took the week off her work. She and- had a local guide, too. Exactly. And took us to the wine country and everything. This is fantastic. So South uh, Johannesburg is in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. We are yes. in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. So you went to South Africa 
in the winter. No, it was just starting to get cold. Uh, Johannesburg wasn't so bad um, because it's, you know, halfway up the country, but it, um, it was chilly at night. Yeah, it was chilly at night. And then in Cape Town, it was getting cold. It was a week later and it was really kind of like they're going into their late fall, Mm -hmm. winter time. Yeah. So fleece was in order. Yeah. You know, I took a pair of shorts, silly girl. I didn't, (laughs) I kind of expected, I don't know, Cape Town looks beachy, you know? So you think, oh, I'll be a tourist. Everybody knows it never gets cold at any beach anywhere in the world. We all know that. That's a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. Unless you drink wine. So then it gets warm. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's beautiful. I can highly recommend it, you know, to anybody who wants to get that part of the world that has an opportunity to get. And you know what? They appreciate you flying all the way to that part of their world too. Uh, mm-hmm. The exchange rate is is to die for. So you should go right now. Shop while, while you're there. Huh? Oh, for sure. If you can get anything out, do it. But, uh, you know, it's not the easiest to at the currency exchange, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough on them down there. And I, I feel bad for that, but, um, but it was that a just really, means you have to spend a lot to make up for it. We tried. Yeah. We really tried. <laughs> we uh, we did go into their wine country and do some gift shopping and everything too. But we're not super shoppers, so we mostly we went and saw penguins. That is cool. There's penguins on the beach. Really? And yeah, wild. I mean, they're that's they're indigenous. They're yeah. a South African penguin. They're not too big. They're not like the big uh, emperor. Uh, what do they call it? Emperor. Em- yeah, emperor penguin is the giant one. Yeah. Yeah. You know. We, yeah. We not like that. They're these little scampery guys, and they're adorable and you can just walk along the beach and there's a boardwalk and they just, they are not shy. <laughs> it's pretty they're, cute. They're the seagulls. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're yeah, trying they're, to steal your funnel cake out of your hand. Yeah, kind of they, they, they try to discourage any interaction with people. So they do kind of separate us with the boardwalk, but you can get, I mean, you don't have to be. Um, yeah. They're, they're really cool. People should go see that. They should see table mountain table view which is right there in cape town the the boardwalk um you know it's just a beautiful part of the world and johannesburg is just a city so you know yeah probably have to go through johannesburg but i would say stay at the airport and (laughs) just go to cape town if you can i love the people in johannesburg though there's a ton of horse people in uh the johannesburg area and super receptive super good horsemen and really open completely open to natural horsemanship good horsemanship just you know open to learning and not afraid to ask questions not an ego in the room about these and, and all the the yeah the buildings were sold out it was really really See, fun i don't associate south africa with having a deep um, horse culture or equestrian culture historically. There um, is though. So, um, during the war, there was horses brought in, you know, there's a lot of English colonies, Dutch colonies, you know, they speak a kind of Flemish Dutch sounding language, old Flemish kind of sounding. And, uh, the Boer, Boer wars brought in the Boer fruiters and, and they, they do have their South African indigenous breeds. I don't know if they're indigenous. Yeah, I guess they're, uh, but you know, a small little breed, um, and then they have a lot of warm bloods down there. Really? So How interesting. Brought, brought them from Europe and, and England. And there's, you know, they're, they're colonists. So they, the, the English uh, system survives down there. And they have their talents that they do export a little bit. But it's a long way to go with horses. So it makes it a little difficult. The thoroughbred industry is huge down there, too. Uh, yes, I saw pictures of Monty standing with a rather a stunning thoroughbred. Oh, Tell me about oh. that. 
Oh my gosh. Well, Main Chance Farm is where we were and it's in a little town called Robertson and uh, it would be like a right outside of the Cape Town area, but still within the country of uh, horse country, they call it around there. And uh, there is a wonderful family. I mean, it's third generation now with dad, uh, uh, the grandfather, Walter Jacobs, originally brought in dad uh, to train a horse named Lomitas, who ended up winning everything a horse could win, but he wasn't going to win unless he went in the starting stall. Uh-oh. And, yeah. And so, you know, when all else fails, right, you know, don't train him right. Just no. But now they've, he, because of that horse, a lot of people have changed the way racing uh, starts horses, this starts the training. And there's still improvement though. We went down there and gave him a few more points. Felix Kutzi is one of their famous jockeys from South Africa. And he, uh, he literally was uh, a shadow with dad. He just went everywhere that we went, introduced dad everywhere we went. And he's a rock star down there. And this guy just humbled himself, said, you guys have got to watch what he does with starting sauce. Felix has come to solving twice already to study uh, Monty's special training and some of the events that we've had there. So he is a real student. And I think he kind of sets the bar, you know, he sets the tone for people's brains and, and says, be open-minded to these things. And, and they listen. And in fact, the last day we were there, so we went, we had four days or two weekends of tour events, uh, separately ticketed tour events. And on the last day, a man, it's Walter Jacobs grandson and uh, Mr. Andreas Jacobs bought tickets for 140 or 150. I can't remember what it ended up being an extreme amount of people that are all grooms and trainers across, you know, all his competition and everything across all the trainers uh, in South Africa, really, and they flew in from all over the place and brought busloads of the the grooms in, and it was fantastic because these are the guys that are hands on. These are the guys handling the horses and uh, you, you know disciplining the horses and all the things that you want to have for your horse. Uh, you want to have the knowledge in these guys. And so, it, really, it, this mm-hmm. um, the the gentleman who basically was hosting your tour there went out and because he wanted to improve the status of the horses and the industry as a whole went out there and out of his own pocket said, okay, all you trainers, all you guys who enjoy this sport with me and earn your living because of these wonderful horses, I'm going to pay for you to come over here and learn all this cool stuff because it's that important. It's that important. Exactly. And he wasn't really even a sponsor of the tour. We, we set up the tour on our own. We actually used our Australian team to set up the tour, but Andreas has been uh, you know, encouraging us to come down there for literally years, uh, and and had you know he's been moving slowly his operation down to the uh, South African because it's just warmer <laughs> than Germany. <laughs> he's way up in the north of Germany, and uh, his family's growing up, and but he's literally grown up with dad essentially, and and his concepts, and wants the world to know you know what they do for thoroughbred horses and horses in general. He just happens to be thoroughbred centric, you know, and, but he rides, he and his wife and kids all ride too. So they just enjoy horses themselves too. So that was, to me, that was a profound experience because the photos you saw with dad standing there with some of the stallions that are now, you know, 20 and 25 years old that he started babies of Lomitas even, uh, are, rock stars. They're just some of the best horse flesh on earth. They just happen to be in South Africa because they breed them there, you know. And um, it's fun to see how people uh, 
the grooms, the management, the, everybody loves them, you know. And I think that all trickles down. That trickles down from the top. It does. You know? Well, that's fascinating. That yeah. and how um, many how many demonstration stops or demonstrations did Monty do while you guys were over there? Yeah, just the four, really. We just I mean, four. <laughs> yeah, just I know it's a lot. It is a lot because it's Saturday, then Sunday, and then Saturday, then Sunday. And and I'll tell you one crazy story is when we were in Johannesburg. Somebody said it's like five or six thousand feet up. I I should Google that and see, but it's 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 thin air. It's high up there, and there's a lot of static electricity in the air. I mean, you notice it, you know, shocky shocky stuff. You know, your hair is funny, and oh, and, I can't go there then. Yeah. And you know, what's coming is this shocky, shocky stuff is, oh, also there's a funny little law about squatters and stuff. So everybody's farms out there, we're we're driving by all these little farms, uh, have a trickle wire, wire around the the fencing, but also wires so people can't get in, you know, razor wire and stuff too, way up high. But there's a lot of electrical wire around. Mm -hmm. So we get to the the first building and there's great footing. It's a felty, nice, great footing inside this building. But we're all going around and we're popping each other because, you know, people are shocked at each other. <laughs> like a bunch of like, nine-year-old kids. You're just touching each other for the fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, at first it was like shocking and then it was like fun. But uh, yeah, no, there was a lot of that going on. But uh, but dad's first horse comes in and it's a, re- it's a spooky horse. That's what it's meant for in the mm-hmm. demonstration. Mm-hmm. Spooky horse. And it's just a pet. He just has fun out there. He's got this perfect joint at the horse is just following him around like a pet. And he turns around to do his classic rub between the eyes and you know what happens. He doesn't even get to touch him it arcs you know it's like pop and uh everybody in the building seemed to know what happened because dad went oh no you know it was like oh it just gave him a shock and he goes oh we just shocked and then the horse was like having nothing to do with it oh that sucks I, they're trained to the trickle wire and everything else. Now I know nothing. And in a 50 foot round pin, it was almost a comedy dad, you know, trying to pin this horse, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. uh-uh, I learned better than that. I'm not touching you again. Sure. <laughs> so he had to overcome some things with that, but wow. uh, that was unique. He so said, now I'm going to have to go out and Google how to reduce static mm-hmm. electricity on your horse. If you find out, you tell me, please, because we, we were asking everybody, is it rubber heels? What do you do? You know, and he ended up using gloves. Yeah, so that's that, a good idea. Yeah. After that, <laughs> it was a really good idea to change. We didn't have that problem in Cape Town. Just really good horses. Amazing stories. Really, you know, I mean, people in tears. It was amazing. How cool. Yay. Yay. So we're back. We're back. And today, I mean, it's going to be kind of fun because we do have um, Satish Simar. Uh, we met with when we were in Dubai. That was our 24-hour run. And he has an incredible story. And I've only known him since he was college age because he was one of the foster kids who lived with us oh, when wow. he from India. Yeah. And he's just done so well. It's kind of like, wow, nice big bro. And uh, then Arthur Robinson Dixon is a gentleman that I interviewed while in South Africa in the Cape Town area, who is a rider who actually has no sight in his eyes. And you'll have to hear about him too. Oh, how fascinating. All right. Well, let's hear from our sponsor, IFA.com. And then we're going to introduce Satish. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride 
and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Satish Simar was raised in India, and in 1984, he relocated to the United States to study equine science in California. And while studying at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in California, it just so happened to be around the same time that horseman Monty Roberts was lecturing at that university. And Monty invited him to come and study and work with him at Flagstaff Farms in California. In 1987, after earning his diploma in animal science, Satish worked uh, as a farm manager for the famous tailor-made farms in Lexington, Kentucky where he was responsible for 200-plus staff members, an entire yearling operation, including a string of 400-plus horses at a young age. His job included pre-training of young horses and applying the Monty Roberts method of handling horses. There, Satish started an intern program, too, for international students who wanted to start their career in the horse business. It later became one of the top equine programs in the world. And in 1990, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed was introduced to Satish and requested that his help in fulfilling the dream of setting up one of the most prestigious racing racing destinations in the world. It is right in the at the foot of the tallest building in the world. Working endlessly towards putting Dubai on the world map of horse racing, Zabil Racing Stables was founded. And since its inauguration of the official thoroughbred and purebred Arabian horse racing in UE in 1993, over 750 winners have been trained out of these facilities. And also, in 2012, Satish Simar received a very special award from Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth for his dedication to nonviolent approaches to horses. Well, welcome, Sati Simar. Thanks so much for sitting down with me today. Where are we here now in Dubai? We are at my house at Desert Palm Polo Resort in Dubai. In Dubai. And um, I hope you enjoyed your only one day stay. We had, a, yeah, we had a hyper day. We yeah. had lots to do in yeah. one day, and you were a perfect host. Packed it up in all in 12 hours. It was amazing. Yeah, we got to see Maidan. Mm-hmm. The uh, racing course here. stables and Maidan and uh, had some good food. and Lots of good food. <laughs> I think we've eaten three times today already. Mm-hmm. No telling before the end of the day. And we have to leave at 1 in the morning here, one yeah. thirty in the morning now, mm-hmm. to head back to the airport. But I wanted to talk a little bit. I wanted to share you with the, some of our horsemanship listeners because you come from a different perspective. You are one of the few that I can interview that have known Monty since when? I mean, you and I are in kind of elite territory that way. <laughs> I go back a little further than you, but not much. Well, <clears throat> uh, in my profession, professional career, I've had three major influences. And it started with Monty, um, because that's who I credit for my, my basic medium and the highest level of horsemanship who taught me mm. in a personal way. And 
then the second step was i because of modi i ended up in kentucky mm. that's where i learned the business part of this uh, thoroughbred industry with the taylor family taylor made farms taylor made farms yeah and and the f- i think if i make all the final uh part of my career is uh, his highness sheikh mohammed bin rashid al maktoum the ruler of dubai giving me an opportunity to work for him mm. and how many years yeah that's been it's been 25 years here yeah, it's a pretty good so, career yeah i think my life is pretty much straightforward and um i've been very fortunate lucky to come across these three uh, influences in my life mm-hmm. and uh, but at the same time i think uh, i was quite if i may use the horse language blinkered in my life mm. i just for years i just went that direction that i had to go do this and i was fortunate enough that gates kept opening and i kept walking through and taking the opportunity and you know some people may call it risks mm-hmm. but I call it opportunities. So you've you know. been able to work in with horses or around horses your whole life? Yes, uh but the work part was I think to be fair if you use the word proper work meaning of work is United States mm. because I'm from India originally did my school my bachelor's uh, degree in India and in India we with the class system with the society i couldn't really work work with the horses they was a different system you wouldn't it's, have been hands on yeah i wouldn't have been hands on there i did ride and all that but mm-hmm. couldn't do any hands on stuff mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the main reasons i i ended up in the united states uh, started with california and then kentucky so um i went with no plan to us basically to visit first and then of course once i was there uh, some of my very close friends who who were keen to have me there they kind of guided me a little bit and then i started working on it and um, started with as i had already finished my bachelor's degree in uh, university delhi university i kind of took a step back in my educational system and uh, joined a junior college in Shasta Reading and uh, it it was a it is an animal husbandry program and I I just kind of specialized in the horse part of it I did that and then uh, my professors they were very happy with me and they recommended that I should go to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo California and they recommended me to the university and i went there and i did my masters in equine science which was that was another one of the really good experiences of my life where i could especially do everything hands on we were we had a i was in the thoroughbred project and uh, part of my uh, course and so we were given two year olds and we had to start them from the beginning we had to train them on the track and looking at me you wouldn't believe now that i was uh, riding like a race uh, exercise rider you, yeah, yeah yeah um 
and it was all we had to look after them we had to kind of shoe them ourselves mm. uh, do basic veterinary work ourselves mm. in fact then you take them to uh, the two year old training sale and you sell them there as uh, is the it's a project project yeah yeah and um, so that was one of the most amazing and and in that process is when i met monty roberts where in fact Monty was the alumni of the college uh, yes. at San Luis San Luis Obispo Cal Poly and he he also came as a guest speaker a couple of times and um, so when i was finishing my course in Cal Poly in the end Monty sometimes took few interns maybe five or six to flag us up mm-hmm. for six to eight weeks and i happened to be selected in one of those six and then normally he used to keep one or two and i happened to be that one who stayed longer and um, at the same time i kept doing my cal poly education it kept and then when i finished i moved to flags up full time and it just happened that monty was invited to lexington kentucky mm-hmm. by a very well known horseman who actually managed gainsbury for 40 years gainsbury farms uh, mr joe taylor joe taylor oh, and yeah. he had invited uh, monty to because monty's methods have been they were kept hidden for a long time and it's not because he he hid them or he didn't try mm-hmm. it is it is the mentally closed horsemen mm. who didn't want to go learn anything mm. and i think when monty went to kentucky and i happened to accompany him as his assistant and being a total non biased just starting in the business i not i noticed that you know there was a bit of tension there and uh, but Monty did his thing and I could again when I looked into the crowds I could see people nodding their heads in a very shy way of approval mm. that so they, or or impressive did they start off with the arms crossed oh, and yeah, then yeah. open Definitely. up a little bit yeah. Definitely. it helps to see yeah and uh, you know they were you could see the negativeness uh in most people and I think uh of course when somebody like the queen of england the queen mother endorses mm-hmm. monty i think then the i mean it's not just because they are queen or queen mother queen one of the queen of england his majesty the queen elizabeth 2 mm-hmm. that's right um she's one of the finest horse women in, on earth That's i mean true. she by heart i mean genuinely and um, and i can say that because i've only met her once and when i when she talks to the horse people she has that little very kind smile and kindness uh, normally you see her in a very serious mode mm-hmm. because she has to do so many of these <laughs> things in her life the protocol stuff yeah. and all that but i generally see a 
the really soft side of her when mm-hmm. she talks about horses. She appreciates yeah. a good horsemanship yeah. because she's hands-on herself. Yes, exactly. She's a little bit like you in she, that she probably was not encouraged to do that. She just loved to do it. Yes, it's, it's from it the heart. And she heart. rides every day what I hear mm-hmm. and what I read about her. Mm-hmm. So um, with all these, I mean, what I'm coming to is that I'm so fortunate to be part of the era where a great horseman like Monty Roberts, the world embraced him and his theories and his methods. With the Queen, with Kentucky, and I, I, I just, I'm lucky that I can, I can talk about it the rest of my life that I was there. Mm. And that's, that's very important. That's and very, yeah. It has been a turning point. Yeah. When mm-hmm. I like to think that the trainers that were not open-minded mm-hmm. sort of had to become more open-minded because the owners took mm-hmm. more ownership mm-hmm. over the training of their horses. They didn't want to see mm-hmm. the rough handling and, and some of the traditional methods used. I remember Leroy Jolly, one of a very prominent tra- trainer of his time, Late, uh, he's passed away since then, and uh, he he was one of the top trainers uh, with Dwayne Lucas and all that. And that's the time when Monty was in Kentucky. Leo Jolly himself came to see him, mm. which is you know with these old traditional trainers, it's very hard for them to. But when you hear, and I think that is when the real those horse people or the trainers, when the real horsemanship comes out of them, mm-hmm. that I must go see this. Yes. And the ones who are, I, I would call them just horse people, and uh, who were negative, they stayed away. They clung, and I'm they sure, clung to their image, yeah. yeah. What is the, it do you think they're skeptical of that before they see it? Because we're I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a very human nature of closed-mindedness, you know. Um, we have been doing it for thousands, hundreds of years, so we are okay. But... Which industry or which business or which profession today is thinking like that? And those things, if they were, they don't exist. Yeah, they die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I think, but uh, saying that, I think all of them, the so-called negative people, they have come around. Mm-hmm. They all have come around. Yeah. It took them time, but they have. Mm-hmm. So you talked today a little bit about the Sindaway, the in, in the join-up. Uh, the traditional, what mm-hmm. people think of as join up is uh, the first uh, conversation that you might have with a horse. Maybe you've just met the horse mm-hmm. and you put them in the round pen and uh, you you start in a leadership role with that horse. Describe that a little bit for me. It's unique because you've done so many in your life. You know, when we're talking about and I, you mentioned that there were some people who mentioned who were negative was talking about that the horse was stressed out when he left when he when he went away from the person who was starting him in the round some people worry about that yeah and uh, if they worry about that why would such a powerful animal intelligent animal come back again Mm. it's as simple when if a horse and especially horses and uh, I can I can say it with full authority that once a person has abused a horse or if the horse feels negative in a slight way, he or she will not come to the same person. Sure. I see that in polo. I see that in other sports. I see that in racing. 
I see that on a regular basis. I Part of my training when I'm watching uh, every morning my horses gallop by and I go back to the office and next morning on the chart I said, Joe will not ride Ronaldo the visit tomorrow because I noticed that the horse wasn't happy Mm -hmm. and they were not gelling together Mm -hmm. and that's what our job is. So although the horse is, yes, he's tacked up and he he gets the rider but he's not happy. That is something as a horseman you got to watch and then if I put John the next morning and I see the horse has got a different eyes and different uh, his neck is more relaxed and his muscles are you know and he's, he's going with the right flow mm-hmm. I've done the right thing you put the right yeah. hands together yeah. so going back on the same uh, the, the controversial comment if, if the horse felt anything negative he or she will not come to you right. again but when you're when in the round pen that horse keeps coming back to you and as Monty says, in in uh, I'm just saying it in in a very different words that if the horse had anything any neg- negativity in him or her, she or he will not be doing in that thirty minute period mm-hmm. what we see every day. It's free choice, yeah, isn't it? It's a They're free not choice. on the line and. In certain ways, the horse might blame him or herself for making the wrong moves. But that's what's going on in mm-hmm. his head. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the soft point is the person me, or if it's me in the round pen. And I know that. And I think you literally, you can... Uh, if people haven't done it, they just can't, I mean, they can see it, but till you do it, you can't make uh, comments like that because what my relationship with the horse at that time, and it's not the same, you know, if I've done a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand horses in my life in the same way, they're all different. Mm -hmm. It's like you're having five kids they're never going to be the same. It's amazing how the third kid might be different from the t- number one child yeah. or the daughter and the son. And, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. I mean, at least I go with that kind of attitude when I'm approaching a horse, mm-hmm. like humans. Yeah, it's a conversation. Yeah, it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a different personality. Mm-hmm. It's a different aura uh, around a horse. And... Um, even if I've, um, I've noticed very rarely that a horse have, I mean, as, as much as I'm comfortable with the horses and I've noticed once in a while, the horse first is to puzzle me. And um, I think in one of our conversations with Monty, he, he mentioned, I don't know if it was a group or just where we were talking, he mentioned that if you had a nice big steak last night, your body will be mm-hmm. smelling 
there's a, we don't smell it, but the horses, they can. Mm -hmm. And that horse will be a little hesitant. Mm -hmm. And so that answered my question right there. There's sometimes I feel the horses enough. I've had a very carnivorous dinner the night before. And that, that is the case. Mm -hmm. So you don't... Do you think they're frightened as if they're going to die, though, because we smell like meat, maybe? Oh, no, no, no. It's, I think it's, it's... I don't think they... Well, could be a different reason. And I think, to me, it's just... They know I'm the similar, same person, but there is something strange about me. Mm. And uh, we... I always say we human beings, I think, till we are seven or eight, we are very pure. And after that, we get into this material world. And we leave behind a lot of our instincts and senses and uh, many natural stuff which our mind and the heart wants to do. And that's the case. Horses don't do that. So that horse senses, they always have those senses. They always live. And I think that's just a little thing. And then if a horse happens to, uh, again, uh, that was, it for years it puzzled me. And then I got that answer from Audi. But at the same time, if the horse was scared of me, that doesn't mean I have to punish him for that. Right. You know how sometimes you are spending so much time with the horses and sometimes the horse just does something strange and you get angry for what? Mm. But you, you have to analyze why. And my answer was, I got that answer because sometimes if I have a very kind of a meaty dinner, uh, red meat and all that stuff. So it does have an effect the next morning. And same goes for the heavy drinkers. Mm -hmm. They, um, one of the lads, the riders and all, they had a good night and um, they are hungover. And the horse can sense this guy is not right in his mind. He's not normal. And the horse will act here. And that person... He can go and kick the belly of the horse and jerk him around with his shank or bridle in his mouth and everything. But that's, it is, again, he's still drunk, I think. <laughs> still that alcoholic effect. He's, he's not or, reacting yeah, the way he yeah. normally acts. He's, yeah. he's not in the right mind. Right. I mean, it's basically yeah. um, that uh, alcohol is working, still working on him, whether it's a, you may call it a hangover or whatever. Mm -hmm. So... But the horse's natural instinct is to, uh, there is something wrong and uh, maybe he's trying to tell a person, you just better not, uh, not a good ride, day to ride me that's today. That's right, don't try it today. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, you don't want to enjoy it. Yeah. So, again, that's the lingo they can express themselves. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, um, that's but at the like same that. time, we take it personally. Yes, yeah, somebody once said mm -hmm. that is one of the hardest things for horses is that they're mute that they can't speak for themselves, yeah. that a dog will yelp if you hurt him mm -hmm. or a cat, you know. No, but I think the horses, I mean, for a, if you're a horse person, horse, horseman, and you can sense that. Mm -hmm. So leave it that day. That's it. Uh, the horse, yeah, is a mute, but the eyes will tell you a lot of stories. Exactly. The ears will tell you. The body twitching of the muscles will tell you. Sure. Uh, that's that's what it takes. They communicate. And, yeah. If so we're, they if do. We're listening. Yeah. Exactly. So you've been. You're you're a quiet demeanor. You're you're not a hyper person. No, you, I'm not. You're uh, very calm out there with the horses. 
And you did a, a clever thing that you told me about today that you started in Kentucky. You started a, a program to start bring, bringing young ones, young equestrians along um, in when you were working for TaylorMade Farms? Yes, we started this program called the TaylorMade Intern Program. Mm. And um, What were you looking for in those young people? You know, I, um, I just compared my zest to learn this business. I took my life, I went back in my life and thought, how I wanted to do it, and I didn't get opportunities. I got a lot of rejections, but then I was sitting in India that time, and um, and I was applying to these foreign um, places in uh, Ireland, England, and um, but after a lot of rejections, when I did start, I didn't I didn't come from uh, literally a horse family or a track background, or uh, I, I came from a family who had horses as traditional and for recreation. For recreation. Yeah. So, but not uh, in a very serious way. So when I, when I was with TaylorMade and we talked about it with the, the Taylor family, and I said, there are a lot of students young people all over the world who want to do what I'm doing now. If you can, of course, then the, you have to talk to the immigration and the passport, visas and this and this. So I think they figured it out and we were having any given year about 15 to 18 oh, students. That's quite yeah. A bit. yeah that's and they great. were from, let's say from Romania, we had from South Africa, Ireland, England, uh, even local Kentucky boys, and maybe from California. And so when they were all together, we it was more of a like a tactical classroom where I would watch them. We would have once a week a class session. They had to write an article on something. Oh, uh, we would call celebrated trainers who they looked up to or or some breeders or people like Monty Roberts and that kind of thing. We and so that was the treat. Once in a month or once every two weeks they got to sit down one to one listen, ask fun. questions. So and after about I think the visa was only valid for twelve months or sixteen months or something. So then they had to go back to, the foreign students had to go back to the countries. And if you, sometimes when I'm sitting with the Taylor boys these days and we just say, look, uh, Christopher Clement, who was in uh, New York, who was a Frenchman, he used to work there. Yeah. Satish Simar used to work there. And many, many, you can just keep going. That's so, amazing. The yeah. props that have come yeah. out of there. So it is talented. like the horses, I think. When TaylorMade is a very professional company and one of the top sales uh, horse sales companies in the world, yeah. and as they talk about their graduates of like the yearling graduates, they talked about the students. The students, yeah. just like the horses that yeah. have come out of that and, uh, famous farm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's 
It's something which I think a lot of farms should do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like what Monty is doing for his, to spread his knowledge by doing this Monty Roberts school. The instructors, instructor yeah. school. But now you said that um, the Sheikh here, Sheikh of Dubai, Sheikh bin Rashid al-Maktoum. Mm-hmm. Sheikh, Sheikh Mohammed uh, started, I think, about 10 years ago. It's called the Darley Flying Start. And now that is a dream program for any horseman. It's a tough program to get in. There are 12 students they take. And if you go onto the site, the Darley Flying Start, it's an amazing program. It's something which if I, if I had to go back in time, and that would be my, my thing to do. But I mean, no regrets. I have no regrets I'm for anything. Whatever, whichever way I came up when I'm sitting today, wherever I'm sitting, nothing to regret about. Mm-hmm. I've been one of the luckiest guys who even my class fellows who know me from kindergarten, mm-hmm. they said, oh my God, you're the only person who's doing what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, although they are bankers, doctors, scientists, hearts, brain surgeons and all that, but they still consider me lucky than themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be able to work outside and work with horses at yeah. such a high level. Mm-hmm. Plus, a- you know, when you're, we grew up together and I was always talking, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. So that stays in people. And, uh, and I think a lot of us in that age, we go with the, that stream of mm-hmm. so-called success of money and all that. Mm-hmm. And, um, or sometimes what our parents yeah. intend for us yeah. as opposed to us working. They want to make you a lawyer or a doctor. That's right. And yeah. you want to be a gardener maybe. That's <laughs> right. Know. That's yeah. right. Or clothing designer <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that today. And I hope we can have you back and on your next multi-million dollar win or race <laughs> or something. We'll have a nice photo for you. But no, it's, uh, but the day-to-day is what you live for. As yes. No, it's... And then that's what the horse business is all about. Every morning, they're different. It's a different challenge. It's a success. It's a little little uh, sad stories which which happen as long as you're dealing with a living thing. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You can change spare parts in your Ferrari, but you can't change your spare that's part in right. this champion horse. So it's yeah. a time which kind of time and effort which makes them come back. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I hope the listeners will look for you, whether it be in Maidan in, in Dubai or uh, wherever they see you around the world with your horses. Thank you. Arthur Robinson Dixon was born sighted, but lost his sight to degeneration at a young age. His irrepressible spirit and love for horses kept his mind open to the possibility of riding, though, and through patience and determination, he continues to show us all that our brain and a good horse can compensate and provide. We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition, but why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. 
That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-3, 6, 9, and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horseshine. Omega Horseshine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine, and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at OmegaFields.com, or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at OmegaFields.com. That's OmegaFields.com. I'm fortunate to have a couple of guests that um, have joined us at the Mystico Equestrian Center that is way out from Cape Town, uh, about 45 minutes. We're here for a demonstration with Monty Roberts tonight, which we're all really excited about. And didn't I run into a couple of people that I want the listeners to meet and be fascinated with? Joanne had the duty of driving here. So Joanne Keat, say hello for us. Hi there. <laughs> yes, lovely South African accents I want to share with you. And we also have Arthur Dixon, Robinson Dixon, if I say his full name, with me today. And he is a fully blind dressage rider. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> and also with the lovely South African accent. Glenn Hebert will love that. His favorites are... Um, the New Zealand's and South African <laughs> accents. But I, I wanted to share you with the listeners today, Arthur, because you've done something incredible. You have um, now gone totally blind, but you weren't always blind. Is that right? No, I wasn't totally blind. Um, I've had congenital glaucoma and it gradually deteriorated, you know, with surgery and everything that was done to me. And um, I went totally blind at 30 years old. 30 years old. Yeah. Okay. And and were you riding before you went Yes, to? I started riding when I was nine years old. I actually started at an old, old um, racing stable uh, near Gravel Racecourse in Durban. Durban. Uh, yeah. And um, and that's where I started riding. Um, and I was already having visual problems at that stage, mm. but I still could see, you know, very well still. Mm. Um, you know, it was totally functional on my own. Uh, when I started riding. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what got you into riding, though? What was the interest there? It was uh, to find girls? Uh, because at nine years old, it wasn't probably to find all the girls. No, 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 definitely <laughs> not. Um, uh, my father was a good gambling man, and he loved the racehorses. Mm -hmm. And um, he used to take me as a small boy, he used to take me to the racecourse. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with horses from then on. And, uh, um, and you know, that's how I actually, you know, from uh, since I can remember, I've loved horses. Mm. So you're 30 years old and you're nearly blind now. Do you say, I don't want to lose horses in my life? Or do you say it's just a challenge to, to keep um, riding? You, you think to yourself, it's, it's, it's uh, totally hopeless. And, but you, you know, you, there's always solutions to all problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, I think I thought I would, if I think long enough, I will come up with a solution and see what is available around me and see what can be done 
to make it accessible again to, to me. What did uh, you do? Look, um, I, I, I surfed the internet a lot and I just sat and thought about it. Thought about how I would go around doing things. And I know about a lot of other blind people that do ride, but, you know, they usually have help and, you know, riding with somebody or... Um, you mean up on top of the horse with them? No, no, or? no, no. Usually it would be led by another person mm-hmm. or um, they would follow another person, like especially with outrides, which is, you know, outrides are lovely and it's... Nice to do, go outright, but you want more of a challenge. You want mm-hmm. to improve yourself and uh, develop your skills. And um, a friend of mine, uh, a, a blind friend of mine, and she's she was partially sighted and she, um, she was doing dressage, but she did it at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And um, and she, she was explaining the systems to me of what she's been doing, uh, you know, how to do it. Mm-hmm. And they use a caller and that type of thing. What is a caller? What actually happens is what the caller does is um, as the rider approaches the letter, the um, the, rider, the caller would tell him this is the letter, like A, A or B or X or C, whatever. In the dressage ring. In yeah. the dressage arena. And look, if you're riding a well-schooled horse, um, you know, they do circles by themselves mm-hmm. basically. And, you know, you've just got to keep direction. But in South Africa, to um, get access to, you know, well-schooled dressage horses is not easy at all. Mm. And, you know, and, always, and I've got a very independent spirit. I want to do something on my own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've been thinking of a, a system of, um, you know, how I'm going to do this. And there was a, there was an American girl, I think her name was Sam Madden, that I, I saw on the internet. Um, she developed a system and I thought to myself but this system is good but I think I could think of something better than that good for you what did did you think was missing um, it it was the acoustical problems Um, you know when you use acoustics there's always problems to it Um, because you've got wind you've got road noise I mean you've got all sorts of noises especially outside Mm -hmm. Um, do you hear that right now? Yeah, I hear the horse. I hear the horse clip-clopping clip clopping, yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So um, you got, you've got the problems of the, the – the you've got acoustic problems. Mm-hmm. Now, I was thinking about – look, and I've, I've been trying to use acoustic systems myself. So what I've done, I've used uh, uh, little radios, mm-hmm. put them on different radio stations, mm-hmm. so then I know which, which letter it is. But, again, you've got acoustical problems. Okay. So the idea that I've come up with now, look, it hasn't been applied yet, and it hasn't, uh, but it's an idea that I've got, and I, I just want to put it out there so that people can think about it and um, see if it can be developed. Good. Um, and what I've, uh, you know, I've been looking at technology, and on the racetracks they use um, real-time location systems to track uh, horses running at uh, 70 kilometers, 80 kilometers per hour, and these tracking systems can track or give information every two centimeters mm. of, of, of um, the surface. So it's giving data of, they reckon, 100 times per second. It's extremely fast. Yes, it is. And a, a dressage horse, top speed probably is 25, 30 mm. kilometers mm-hmm. per hour. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be much more than that. So what, uh, um, what I thought to myself, you know, these systems can track uh, um, a horse at that speed. And then I thought to myself, but you know, if you can take a, a dressage arena and create a virtual arena. Mm-hmm. So what you do, you create a virtual arena and you must remember a, a, a physical arena or a, a real arena, you can do nothing to change it. 
You can't change surfaces to to make it accessible. You've got a flat surface, it's it's sand, and it's you you get disorientated very quickly. It's like a, a person that's flying in the sky or at sea that you've got just open space and no beacons. Mm-hmm. So that's what a dressage arena is like to a blind person. Okay. Now you got the, so you want to avoid the acoustic problems. So what you do, you create a virtual environment. And what you can do with that virtual environment, there's a term what they call soundscaping. Mm-hmm. So you divide the arena up in different sounds. And the beauty of the virtual environment, you can manipulate it as you like. So you can make sound switch off and switch on when you want to. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the blurring of sound by wind or um, external noise mm-hmm. and all that type of thing. You you create an environment that is virtual. Yeah. And then you have headphones on your head. And there's a thing that they use. Microsoft has been developing a thing called a bone phone. Mm-hmm. This uh, a, a bone phone works almost like a tuning fork. Um, it's get pressed against your skull and you actually hear sound through your skull with your ears open. So you still got access to the information that you're getting from your ears. And the, the information is, uh, uh, the sound is going through your skull basically. Um, Microsoft has actually been developing a system for the underground system in, in London. It works very the same idea of what I've been thinking of, but theirs is more information based. It's mm-hmm. not for direction. So they've developed it actually for the tourist um, industry, so people will know where what stations, especially with people oh. that are not, uh, uh, you know, they d- don't speak English, or so it'll translate for them and it'll tell them, all right, platform one, you know, this train to London or whatever. Um, I've never been there, so I can't tell you which day. <laughs> so um, they're using a very similar system, but mine is actually to give you direction on the arena. So. So you you can use all sorts of soundscaping techniques to be able so to. You basically, are containing it like a virtual reality system where you've got the headphones on. You're not seeing, but you're um, geospacing or the soundscaping uh, yeah. is creating that environment. Yeah, you're actually you. creating something out of nothing. Yeah, um, it's like uh, if I must use an example, it's like having kilometers and kilometers of tar roads and. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to find your way around tar roads if there weren't names. Right, exactly. So what actually happens is now what you're doing to you giving this surface, instead of names, you're giving it sound. Right. So you can orientate yourself on it. And there's, you, there are uh, doctrines being written on actual soundscaping, especially in the gaming industry where they use it a lot. And I don't know if you know the, the, the computer game. This is where one of the ideas where I got it from uh, the Wii Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Wii. So you play uh, tennis. You, you play. Yeah. It's, everything is virtual. Yes. And it's the same ah. idea. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is create a giant Wii dressage arena. Now, so tonight you're going to stay for the demonstration, and um, I think we'll probably be helping you a little bit to describe what you you're seeing. Yes. But wouldn't it be awesome if we could find a virtual reality so that? Um, people could experiment with this join-up. They could feel the sensation of a join-up. Yes. Virtually, because you've got the headphones on, so you're hearing the environment, but you also could see maybe a video like they do the video virtual reality. Yeah, now, uh, that's a sighted thing. I'm talking a yeah, different thing now. Yeah. But so many people could 
could experience a join up. Especially, especially like with the, the lip movements and the ear movements and, and you know, the of tongue the coming out. Exactly. So you've done your homework. This is what's so interesting is you've done so much homework on your own yeah yeah with the uh with the google and the internet and the yeah. youtubes and without the world. being able to see without being able to see yeah. you're amazing i don't know how you braille your your flat screen but <laughs> you'll have to tell me sometime yeah yeah but but tell me tell me what you see as a future for people who are blind or okay. even children who just have not experienced okay this. what you know i've actually worked out almost almost a a, a, a way of actually introducing a blind child it's very important to, for a blind child to actually learn how to write and i'll give mm. you a good reason mm. uh, i think i used the example where a dressage horse has got to be straight mm-hmm. um you're looking for straight and forward movement mm-hmm. and you're looking for that in a blind person as well mm-hmm. straightness is important because if a blind person wants to keep direction he's got to be straight and a horse is the ideal way of Making him straight. And why is that? Okay, let me explain to you. Um, when you're sitting on a horse, you've got to be upright. And um, if you're not upright, you're going to fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, your head is the heaviest part of your body, and that determines your balance. Right. And when you've got no sight, there's no uh, um, references around you to keep your head and your body upright. Mm-hmm. And what actually happens is when you're on a horse, the horse gives you that reference. So what what, ag- what what part of your body is is he referencing? Okay, what he's actually referencing referencing your head. Mm-hmm. Because if your head's not in the correct position, you're not going to be in the correct position. So he's keeping you in balance? He's he's keeping you in balance, he's forcing you to be balanced. Mm-hmm. Is this through your your butt you, and you're your through back your back and your bum because mm-hmm. look, you're wanting to feel the horse. Right. So the best way to feel the horse is to be in an upright position. Mm-hmm. And balanced position, because that's where you're going to be the most sensitive to feel the horse. And I saw a little bit of video, thank you, um, of you riding, and you're not heavy on the reins. So you, you no. really are not um, relying on, on that touch. Point. No, I, I rely on to feel what the – I actually prefer to have a horse with no noseband on because that's when I can actually feel him the most. I can mm-hmm. feel what, uh, what you know, his problems, what he's getting excited about. And, and to, to actually read the environment because I can feel what's going on in his mouth. Mm, fantastic. It's, 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 it's vitally important to be able to feel what, because you know what's going, everything is in the jaw of the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, you can feel if he's tense, he's not happy about something, you feel it through the range. Mm-hmm. And it's very important. And so, um, you know, like for example, to create mental fitness as well, you know, when you blindfolded, you actually can learn how to, uh, uh, pick out the definition of the paces mm-hmm. and you're going to actually um, improve the horse or improve your mental uh, ability to 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 read the horse's balance through trying to pick out these, these footsteps. Are you suggesting maybe riders go put a blindfold on and in a careful situation? Yeah, I think it's uh, very much so. I think it's very, actually, what I would suggest uh, uh, you know, walking down a tar road Okay. And with the horses walking, and you can actually hear the clip, clop, clip, clop, mm, okay. and and um, actually just closing your eyes and trying to pick out the walk. And by doing that, you're making your bum sensitive, mm-hmm. and it, it's putting you into a correct position. Fantastic, yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's a and, good and it gives you that that uh, ability to to pick out the paces. It gives you, um, you know, the, the the more sensitive your muscles are, it gives you that mental time mm-hmm. to make a decision. Mm-hmm. 
And um, especially when you're getting to the upper levels of dressage, when you go make like with flying changes and transitions that have got to be made quickly mm-hmm. and, you know, accurately, the, the more mental fitness you are, you the better you're going to cope with it. Excellent. Yes. Yes. I think we don't think about that enough. Maybe, yes. Um, maybe, maybe some people do it naturally and automatically, but uh, the rest of us who are getting a little more brittle in the brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and, the, and the bones. And the bones. <laughs> yeah. uh, but let me explain to you what I was thinking of doing uh, for a child. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there are virtual arenas already. There are games that are played, dressage games and jumping games and all that type of thing that are played on on our smartphones. On our, our smartphones mm-hmm. and all that type of thing. So what you would do is you would take a, a dressage arena and instead of using sight to navigate around that reader, uh, arena but using the arrow keys, you would soundscape that arena and the child can play and practice navigating the arena with sound. Mm-hmm. And while you're doing that, you would put him through a physiotherapy program to make him stronger. Fantastic. Because you must remember, when you are totally blind, you don't move well. Yeah. You don't get the exercise that you need to develop. It's like a Mustang that's uh, out in the open felt. He can, uh, because he can move and look for food and he develops bone and muscle, a blind person doesn't have that movement. So he doesn't develop bone and muscle as well as a, as a, a sighted person would. Mm-hmm. Same so, as a child. Then, so yeah. same as a child and mm-hmm. same with a Mustang that's out on the felt or a horse being kept in the confined area. Yes. So, um, so you will have to do a lot of physio and, and uh, muscle building and that type of thing to be able to. But the, while you're doing that, you, you inspire him by giving him that game to play with, to learn how to um, navigate the dressage arena mm-hmm. until you get to the point where he actually is quite good on the dressage arena. This is now getting very, very uh, expensive, uh, what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, now. Well, you get, you, yeah, that's only money. You get, uh, um, v- uh, Dressage assimilators, and you get, um, I mean, there's a lot of assimilators. Mm. There's even one for riding for the disabled now, uh, assimilators, where you actually have a virtual horse that you actually sit on. Mm-hmm. And it actually, you, I don't know if you remember the old bucking uh, um, bulls that used to, the mechanical yes, bulls. that they, They've got, uh, there's a lot of places that actually created uh, horses that do exactly this. Not mm-hmm. bucking, mm-hmm. but actual dressage. Right, good. Yeah, we'll leave the bucking horses out. Yeah. <laughs> but the equisizers and... and yeah, the not the equisizers, because this is actually high technology, mm-hmm. but the, the, you get uh, jumping... Virtual, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. jumping assimilators, and you mm-hmm. get all sorts of assimilators now. Mm-hmm. So you put the child on that, develop him physically on that, and also teach him while on that to navigate the arena again yeah, with, with the virtual sound. Yeah. And then when he's, you see he's strong enough and um, to be able to cope... Then you put him on the horse. Then you're going to save risks falling and sure. getting hurt. And yeah, things so like. it's yeah. You, incrementally, you're getting him you exposed, get him so, exposed and strengthened. And, 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 yeah. yeah, and you don't get that fear factor because you know. Mm. Look, what actually happened to me when I was small, and luckily I had somebody very good. I've um, I was backed with me, and I was very weak still, not strong, mm. and um, so the horse dragged me, and I was <laughs> I was got a good fright, eh? and. Um, Luckily, I had a, a very good instructor that, you know, and I wanted to go back on the horse because I loved him so much. And um, so she got me back onto the horse and, you know, confident again and all that type of thing. But, you know, you don't want that to happen. Yeah. If you, you don't, if you can it, help it, you, you know, right. look, it's good for them to fall. You know, it makes them, them sit up straight. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Balance that head next time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's, 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 it's better than the, it's better than telling you to sit up straight. Sit yeah, up straight. That's right. That's right. If you don't sit up straight, you're going to fall. That's it's, right. It's, you know, Dad trains the horses very much like that too. He says we niggle too much. Exactly. We're always niggling, niggling, and saying, "Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do." And he said, "Let them go ahead and make the mistake, and then when you correct, yeah." Are we agreeing? Yeah. Yeah. When you correct, they really understand what got corrected. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. So you don't nag. Mm-hmm. Let him fall. <laughs> Let them fall. They'll, they'll correct. They'll correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun. I don't want to keep you too long because yeah. I know we've got an event that you get to participate in now. It'll be really fun to yeah. to hear about it through your eyes. And I would like to do a follow-up interview if we can. Sometime. Yes, it'd be lovely. We may have to do it from... Skype or something that you're very versed at, I'm sure. But, you know, I'll be back in the U.S. and you'll stay here in South Africa and we'll we'll be pen pals that way. Yeah, it'd be lovely, Debbie. It's nice meeting you. Thank you very much. Arthur and Joanne, thank you today for bringing me. Thank you. Yes. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, we are buying a horse trailer with living quarters, and we're wondering if you could comment on the pros and cons of mangers. Monty's answer. It is important to take into consideration the purpose for which you are acquiring a trailer. Obviously, if you're a professional traveling a thousand miles a week or so and basically living on the road, then you and your horses have an entirely different set of requirements from the horseman who travels to the occasional trail ride or short distances to horse shows. There is nothing wrong with mangers. My assumption in formulating this answer is that we are discussing slant haul trailers. If you decide to include mangers, then it's best to choose a trailer with wider stalls. If you choose to put mangers in a narrower trailer and you have full-size horses, you could restrict their space unacceptably. For the hard-traveling professionals, mangers provide several advantages. They make it easier for you to feed and water your horses while on the move, and in addition, they allow for significantly more storage space than trailers without mangers, as most trailers will utilize the space below the manger for extra storage. I'm a spokesman for several types of trailers on a global basis, and many companies produce a manger that is safe and effective. Be very careful to use only mangers that are built from extremely strong material and constructed so that they have no areas that could injure a horse's leg. All edges should be smooth and all flat portions should be reinforced so that your horse cannot tear the metal. Many injuries occur when time and use is weak in the metal and cracks occur. Cracking in metal can be like a knife to the flesh of your horse. The feed compartment of a manger need not be more than five or six inches in depth and should have an outward sloping lip and rise to your horse closest. This construction will allow the horse to pull his foot out of the manger if he is silly enough to get it in there. You are probably aware that I am a strong proponent of slant haul trailers. If you have read my textbook, you will be aware that I recommend partial partition. I have also stated that I am a strong proponent of ramps as opposed to step-up trailers. Some of my companies produce trailers in accordance with my specifications. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi. I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too. 
on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced writer, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. July 17th through 21, he has a Monty special training with translation in Portuguese. And August 1 through 5, it's a Monty special training at Flagazep Farms for everybody else that doesn't speak Portuguese. And then we have August 22 through September 2, we have the Gentling Wild Horses course. Really looking forward to that. Now, are, there, are there any openings left? Oh, yes, okay. there are, because we, we do keep it limited, but we, we, we're kind of picky this year. So, yes, there are some spots. But, you know, it, by picky, I mean they really want to be interested in jelly wild horses. Um, you know, they, we, last year we had complete beginners, and then we had people that are really talented, like Jamie Jennings from mm-hmm. the Horse Radio Network. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not about your ability. It's more about do you want to be there, because we, we will want people involved. We're going to be filming a lot here, too. So, so. so you you can be an inexperienced horseman and still attend this clinic and take in all of the wisdom that is Monty mm-hmm. Roberts Equus. Yes. And if you love Mustangs, it's particularly good. So, there we go. Yeah. So that's August 22nd, 22, 22nd of September. Yeah. It's two so, weeks long. There we go. Okay. Sorry all right. I had to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm so glad you're asking questions. September 9, we have a Horse Sense for Leaders, and that is a corporate. And then we've got September 10 and 11, that same weekend, Wild at Heart with Pat Roberts. That'll be fun. And then we've got September 24 through 25, we've got another Riding with Respect. And those are really fun. Those are what join up looks like in the saddle. Now, I have another question. Mm-hmm. Your September 9th Horse Sense for Leaders, mm-hmm. is that open to anybody who wants to attend? Yeah, we did an open enrollment as opposed to, you know, one company coming to us right. and asking for a date. Yeah. Now, if, you, if someone who, one of our listeners, for example, maybe has a smaller company, mm-hmm. they could sign up and attend and bring their four yeah. key people. We've done that before too. Yeah, absolutely. This, that's a great um, event for, com- for smaller to mid-sized companies. When you have managers and potential managers and, and other leads in your business. And this should be especially, I think, relevant because let's face it, our listeners are horse people to take those people and bring them to a horse sense for leaders uh, conference, because they're going to totally relate. They get the the passion about horses and it's going to help them be better managers, better staff leads, um, better employees as a whole. And that's going to help your business thrive. So it's, it's a really smart investment for uh, even a small to mid-sized business. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. We've we found that to be true. Executive teams or just team building. Uh, and, and you're right, partials like that too. It's, But I've had people come on their own too. It, 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 unfortunately, what happens is then they want to bring everybody back afterward. And then we wish they'd done it in the beginning. So. <laughs> it has, it's, it's fun. There well, are so lot. often it happens that way. And for everyone who is curious and wants to sign up for these sorts of things, you can find lots more at Monty's website, which is MontyRoberts.com. Or you can talk to a real, live, helpful human being by calling 805-688-6288. 
And for details about today's show, you can go to the website, horsemanshipradio.com, and you will find links to our guests, photos, and more information. And we love your feedback and we love your suggestions. So follow Monty on Facebook, which is an easy place to give those. It's Monty Roberts on Facebook. And on Twitter, yes, Monty Roberts tweets. It's Monty underscore Roberts. And go get the app so you don't miss any episodes. It's available for Android or iPhone, and it's free. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And many thanks to our sponsors, too, IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Equus Online University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network, too, at www.horseradionetwork.com. But until next time, have many happy horse hours. 